Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. some reason it just says no Jay we're not doing that today <laughs> some we've been having to shoot it this way which I don't I don't like shooting it this way I've got too much flare back there <laughs> to be shooting it that way um, anyhow welcome to revolution welcome to the hell talk I guess it's October. We might as well talk a little bit about hell. Uh, war is hell. Life is hell. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, so, hey, I've been trying to get uh, prepared for the uh, Romans thing on Tuesday night, but I haven't quite figured out the Venmo. How to me, Venmo? Is it Venmo? No, Venmo is the money one. Mevo. Zoom is the Zoom. There's the Mevo camera, Venmo, money, Zoom conference talk thing. Um, quite how to get that out there yet. So, um, I really want Tuesday night to work and I don't want to like do the first Roman study and it just be like, boo, no one's there. Um, so maybe we postpone it or maybe we do like a little introduction here on YouTube or, uh, we could even do it live on Instagram, but I think YouTube would probably be best, um, just to have it. And then we could put it like in order once we have this, the, the, the Zoom set up. And maybe what I could do is just go over the uh, all the boring stuff, all like the historical facts and things like that. Like, oh, it was written in this time, and some people think it was written at this time, and it was written to Rome. Um, I think it's written to Rome, Georgia. Um, some people say <laughs> it was written to another, another Rome. Um, but yeah, so maybe we could do all that. I had a, I had a, had an inkling that some of you might show up just because the word hell is mentioned. And the funny thing about hell is how much people want like to defend it. <laughs> um, and so we're going to go on a journey through the flames of hell. Um, I saw this meme the other day. And what's funny is, is, is I remember my dad wanted to do this uh, one time when he thought Heritage might do rides, you know, like they might add, like do a theme park type thing. And they wanted to do a, you know, a scary ride. And it's true. It's like, well, how do we scare people to death? What's terrifying? And this thing, <laughs> and they said, it's our theology. We'll just use our theology and that will scare people. I went to a, a hell house once in New York, but it was a bunch of art students putting on the hell house. And I didn't realize it because I went with a, a, with a news reporter who was uh, writing a story on it and asked, he was like, hey, I'd like to see your reaction to a hell house, you know? And, um, and it's funny because I had a scene of like people being ironic, you know, because I guess People had already been making fun of Hell House in the ironic way. And so the people who made the real Hell House put in a coffee shop where people were being ironic, basically saying, like, irony will send you to hell. 
Um, much like Dante's uh, Inferno, uh, the, the founders of Hell House had their people who went to hell, so people who have an abortions. I mean, it was awful. It was awful. And I wanted to yell at the people because I didn't realize that they were just, you know, hipsters taking the piss out of actual Hell House. And I was like ready to yell at them because they even did like the like the Jesus comes out and then they did like a, if you'd like to come to the Lord. And I'm like, man, I wonder how many people got saved. <laughs> ironically, <laughs> didn't even know they got saved like or they got saved by people who were like just trying to be ironic. So there you go. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? So it's great because I've got some ideas. We've got some ideas. A little bit of a plan for revolution. Um, some of you who joined me for my last uh, Q&A with Jay, I was about to go uh, to an interview, and my interview was, and I was pretty sure I had the job, and my interview was with Target, Target, um, and, you know, they're like, hey, we see your availability here, we see this, and then I'm like, oh yeah, they're just one thing, like I wasn't able to write down in your, in the computer resume thing, you know, you weren't, it's kind of hard to put all the nuances and stuff because it didn't make a place for this, but like, I can only do every other weekend because of my kids, and they go, oh, mm, we're sorry, yeah, it's, I mean, and just shut me down, and like, you're not getting the job, I'm like, wait, and they're like, you know, just during the holiday seasons, we got to have people who are regularly here. And I'm thinking like, okay, your corporation, you're like, we just really need that. And I'm like, yeah, I said, well, I've got kids, you know, and during the holiday season, I need more work because I need to be able to pay my bills. And I'd like to give my kids Christmas presents. And they're like, yeah, mm, mm, if you, you know, no, I'm sorry, that's just not going to work for us. And so uh, I'm been turned down four four different places um and so yeah i got turned down for target um shut down for target so anyway this is so i've got more plans for revolution <laughs> as long as i'm not working um uh, and i'm bringing hell with me um so I think revolution, some of the things I have planned for 2004 besides just trying to find a like a, a dive bar location is uh, of course we'll start with Galatians in January as we always do and then I think we're going to follow that up by Tillich you are accepted again I think that's a worthy uh, talk to go over and analyze and this talk is hell part one um, I just I just I just purchased like a $75 book on uh, uh, on hell it's a it's a it's um, It's the like definite, definite last word on hell, I guess. <laughs> the last word on hell. It's not the last word on hell. It's, uh, it's a scholar, scholarly research on hell and the traditions of hell. And so I just ordered that because I want to do a few of these. And um, so I figured I would give you what I know so far from my own studies. And... Um, so people say, oh, where does revolution money go? A lot of times, like the books I study um, are really expensive. Like some, like my, I got this weird, like this really rare concordance and it was like $150. It was the most expensive book I've ever purchased. Um, so, uh, and uh, my, uh, our computer that we got a brand new computer last, uh, two years ago and it got um, smashed. It got literally smashed into bits. Um, 
so we have a, I have a phone. So yeah, so I'm buying, I buy books to study, to talk to you guys about all this wonderful stuff. Um, so we'll, we'll um, so, so more on hell. And of course, we're going to be doing an in-depth study on Romans as well. So we got Romans, we got Galatians, we got hell, we got uh, Tillich, and I'm sure we're going to throw in some Hegel there, some contradiction, and uh, you know, our, our 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 friend Jesus will show up a lot through all of this because that's the guy who all this stuff is centered around. So. There you go. That's just that would be like the first few months of, of 2000. The last months, couple of months here, and the first few months of 2024. So we've got goals. We know where we're going. And if you like it, support it because we need your support, especially because I don't have a part time job yet. Um, I may be walking dogs. Who knows? Um, so there you go. I was just really shocked by Target. Like, I'm like, I'm in Target. Like, I've got a red jacket, I've got a red shirt. I'm going to nail this. I'm going to get a red Target hat. It's going to be awesome. And um, and and I was really, I mean, like, I, I was shocked. Like, I was really kind of devastated, you know. Um, I was just like, wow, that's, that's weird, you know. Like, it's a weird thing not to get, uh, not to, not to get hired at. Um, I mean, I, I worked at The Gap, like, almost, like, 28 years ago. It was awesome. Oh, I'm so glad they're working on the weekends again next door. Awesome. Um, so that's 24. All right, well, let's talk about the problem with hell. Are you guys ready to talk about the problems with hell? I hope we have, I wonder if we have some hell apologists with us today. Do we have any hell apologists with us today? Show of hands. Um, so, one of the first things I wrote, like this just really came to me, this just came to me the, a, few, a few nights ago. I was just like, oh, what, what, what are we going to shift into next? And uh, I, wanted, I was like, oh, I want to do something on hell. I just, but I want to really do extens something extensive on hell. So I contacted Dan uh, McClellan and said, hey, Dan, you know, I, I watched some of your stuff on hell. You know, could you, what's a really good, you know, uh, a good book on, on, on hell, you know, he's like, oh, this is a good book, and then I looked it up, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> for $75, it must be quality, um, so I was like, all right, that's, I mean, I'm in, man, I'm, I'm in, and I, I, and we talked a little bit about it, and, and, we, and he's talked to me a little bit about Romans, and Romans 1, guy's a neat, 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 special fella, I'm gonna say that, like, he's really out to help make the church in, uh, more honest, and I like that, and so, um, so, so I, I mentioned it to him, um, but one of the things I want to say is there's the big contradictions we've accepted and we've like, you know, I, I grew up in the church where people were like, um, uh, rover dog walking is great. Yeah. I, I'm like a mess of a human being. So I'm afraid I'm going to be like, Oh, your dog's dead. You know, or <laughs> picking up poop. That's anyway, I'm not above beyond picking up poop. I'm just... If you see this, a guy doing this, walking dogs like that, you know, it's me. Um, but maybe that's how everybody walks dogs. Um, big contradictions we accept. Um, and so I, growing up, was always like, oh, there's no contradictions in the Bible, brother. It's handed down. Every jot and tittle is inspired by the Word of God. 
and there's no contradictions. And, you know, questions were kind of frowned upon or were made to be like, oh, you don't really understand what you're asking, you know, that kind of thing. And so now we have like 500 ex-Christian podcasts and Instagram accounts and things like this where everybody's like, Christians are dicks, you know? And the reason they are is because they like, we couldn't ask questions. <laughs> you told us there were no contradictions. There are, con you know, and they're mad. So my point is like, let's just look at the contradictions. Let's admit to the contradictions and let's not feel like we have to be like the Bible's representative or agent. Um... So there always have been big contradictions that we accept with the Bible. Um, and, and so that's what made me think of this, is, is, is the problem with hell part one. Um, and so here we go. Here's the problem with hell part one. Um, and, and, and so we're going to hit the basics today, and then we are really going to go in depth. So some of you who might be like, oh, I tend to, I'm mad. I just saw hell and I just wanted to hear defend hell. I'm mad. Click. I've already seen like five people click off. <laughs> They're done. <laughs> um, so for the few of you who are tempted to do that, that's fine. Oh, a couple more just came back on. The whole idea of hell, like we're going to go deeper with this. This is only part one. So this is going to be a little bit of a, we're going to go into the shallow end and then we're going to work our way into the deep end of studying hell and we'll get into Dante's Inferno and all the, where these traditions come from and these ideas come from, we're going to get into it. But I'm going to give you right now just the practical problems and issues with hell and why they would cause contradiction to be part of the Bible. All right, which there are contradictions. You just got to accept it. Just accept it. Just accept it. It's okay. The moral issue. So we have a moral issue with hell. Um, and, and, and it's weird because you've got people who are like, you know, well, it's your choice. You know, you make a choice. That was always the argument I heard. Well, you know, it's, it's your choice. You know, and then I found out some of my Baptist friends were like, well, <laughs> and then, you know, some of the, my Presbyterian friends were like, well, <laughs> Actually, it's not really a choice. You're kind of predestined, you know, but nobody knows who's predestined, so we should go out there anyway, you know. And so here's the thing is here's, here's your choice. Like if, you, if, you're, if you're Arminian, like I grew up in the Assemblies of God, the one true church, um, if you're free will, Arminian, uh, you have to say the prayer and get everything right and you know you still small voice but you can also lose your salvation so you it's, there's no guarantee you know uh, that's what i always liked about the the predestination or guys are once saved always saved um but i thought it was free will and then once saved always saved i kind of thought like hey we should do a hybrid because i like that idea but so you get this free will and you're told and so i remember being a little kid like what if i like drive <laughs> this was this was my child thoughts because hell seemed very scary to me as as it would uh what if i'm driving as an adult and i drive off a cliff and i go shit and then you know am i gonna just oh welcome to hell like i let it like that's how a kid's mind works you know um because everything that was weird was a sin right and so well, then you have to think about like well, all the people who grew up in other countries without Christianity. You're like, well, that's why we go out there and we preach to them, you know. And then you're like, well, what about, 
well, maybe God won't hold them accountable if they haven't heard it. But, you know, I'm like, well, if God, it's not going to hold them accountable if they haven't heard it. Stop sending people to spread the gospel. Because, like, you're just screwing them over, really. It's not good news. Like, all of a sudden we have Jesus and now there's a hell and there's eternity. So this is like, okay, so we've got this free will. We can choose, you know. Um, and then you've got the, 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 the Calvinists who are like, uh, believe that some people were just made for destruction. Like there's a whole, like people were just made to burn. And to me, this is sick and twisted. And honestly, if I had believed that, I would just be like, I must be one of those people who are going to burn because I cannot grasp. And some of my Calvinist friends will agree with me that I am meant to burn. Um, because I would be like, that's screwed. That's really a horrific. That's horrific. Like God would be like, I'm making these little ants so I can torture them for eternity. <laughs> so that's a problem with your theology, folks. Um, the also problem is, is that we use it to control people and make people fear and we pretend like it's really good news. And it's like, Jesus loves you so much so come to him so you don't have to get tortured. I know we've seen and heard this kind of stuff before, but this is stuff we kind of have to lay down the foundation for right now. We have to lay the foundation, so that's what we're doing. We're laying down the simple arguments of why hell doesn't seem great. Um, so, let's see what else. We are going to get into the different definitions of hell. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, You know, you, and, and here's another problem is theology. Most people's theology don't line up. And in a lot of people's theology, what salvation is plays a part in that. And so, you know, I grew up in the Assemblies of God, and we thought the Baptists weren't going to go to heaven because they didn't speak in tongues. And then the Baptists thought we weren't going to go to heaven because we did speak in tongues. And then we and the Baptist both agreed that the Catholics, for some reason, uh, probably because we thought they worshipped Mary or something, I don't know, we're all going to go to hell, you know. So everybody's sending everybody to hell. That's a big problem right there, right away. So not only do we have any other religions that aren't ours going to hell, but then we have only, like, there's a secret denomination that has it right, and you're hopefully going to get... It gets worse and worse. It's like, I chose Jesus, so I'm going to be in heaven. They're like... Yeah, but is it the right denomination? And do you believe in free will or predestination? Or do you believe in, you know, uh, post-trip or all this other crap? You know, like, oh, no, you know. And, and some people would argue, well, Jay, it's, that doesn't mean you're going to go to hell. Blah, blah, blah. But the way I was raised, I was told that. And so it's really used in a perverse way to convince people of something that's wrong. And here's another problem with... Um, the, the, the fundamentalists with fundamentalism is that most fundamentalist preachers don't really understand the Bible and how it was written, don't really understand what the Bible is, uh, that it's a collection of writings, they come from different places, that there's problems with the Bible, you know, they just they don't, they don't understand it. And, and they have a passion for it, but they're not scholars. And, you know, so, and I'm not a scholar, you know, I've had to study all this scholarly stuff on my own, on my own time. That's what revolution has been for me most of my life is, is, is doing church and reading. I, I love to read. I love to study. 
I'm buying books that college kids have to buy. And oh, man, no wonder these kids are in, in such debt, you know, 75, $150 for a book. There's one book I really want on, on Hegel and its contradiction. And I have a digital copy of it. Um, and it's really hard for me to, because of my dyslexia and stuff to focus on digital books. And uh, it just really like, that doesn't feel like it sticks with me. And, uh, but the, it's like a $350 book. Like I really want this book, but there's no way I'm gonna pay $350 for this book. I mean, maybe if it has the secrets in it. Um, so basically you got all these different issues on ideas of who's going to hell, who's not gonna go to hell. You got all these other religions. I mean, I remember being in New York and thinking like, if I believed in hell, I mean, like everybody's in, everybody in New York is going to hell. Every corner, like where, oh, this guy has a different God over here where I get my falafels. And this guy over here who runs the bodega has a different God. And this other bodega that I go to guy has a completely, you know, you know, different God, you know, and the guys over at the mail shop have a different God. You know, uh, the coffee shop guys are all hipsters and atheists, so they're all definitely going. You know what I mean? It was just like, and this is the loving God. This is the love that never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful and endures through. God so loved the world that he sent his only son, not to really completely do it, but to just kind of make it worse and give you a choice. Because Paul says God was being entirely fair when he did not punish those who sinned in former times. So now it's like, oh, here's Jesus, and now you're accountable. Oh, that's good news, I think. Um, here's another thing. Paul never talks about hell. The Apostle Paul talks about the destruction, different things, but Paul never mentions any of the translations we understand as hell. Paul's writings are closer to Christ than any of, like, with, 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 with the stuff where we hear of Jesus talking about hell. Um... And he's, when he talks about hell, he's got three different places he's talking about in different areas, different spots. Um, but, but Paul never talks about it. And, and the Gospels were written like 40, 50, 75 years after Christ. Um, you know, Paul, you've got like just not that you know, 10, 20, 30 years out. You know, he's, he's right there in the middle. So I think that's something worth looking at and thinking about. And don't worry about your, it's not going to send you to hell thinking about that. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, don't question the man of God. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's become such a huge manipulation tool. It's insane. And we just ignore the contradiction. Somehow we're like, we well, are just our, our carnal minds can't understand it. You know, I mean, that's why you have to have, in, in Calvinism, you have to have tulip, you have to have totally deprived. Because you have to be, you have to pretend like, well, yeah, I mean, we're just so deprived we can't realize how much we're worthy of just being tortured forever. I remember I used to, I went on this podcast and it was called the Bad Christian Podcast, but it was run by Calvinists. And I was like, of course. I'm like, because you guys should have a wink. Because like being a bad Christian in Calvinism is just like, yep, I'm a bad Christian saved by grace. Like I remember I used to go to this Calvinist church and their sermons on grace were just amazing just mind-boggling good and then I realized like oh but it's only for this group it's for the chosen ones and not for this group who are destined that God made to be like a garbage can and they're gonna burn and torture for eternity um, so most people theology no one agrees on what saved is a lot of the times I mean people do but it's it's very diverse um, 
remember when we talked about Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, the last the three things remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these are love. Um, hell, there is no hope. Uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, there is nothing like that. So we got to look at that. So here was the big question for me, though, being the biblical scholar that I am, is my friend Carlton Pearson, who is uh, in his 70s, he was a mega pastor at one time, um, still a pretty popular guy, Most of, probably one of the most enlightened people I've ever met in my life. Um, he stopped believing in hell, and he had this mega church. I mean, he was huge. He had he, I mean, just, just massive, thousands and thousands of people uh, followed him. And, uh, and he one day came out as an inclusionist and said, I, I don't believe in hell. Um, not, like Rob Bell was like, love wins. Is there no hell? Well, we're not asking the right questions. You know, Rob never wanted to give the solid answer. Uh, but, but Bishop Carlton Pearson was like, yeah, there's, I don't believe there's a hell. I don't believe what we've made into hell exists. And so like all good Christians, when someone says you don't agree, something you don't agree with, they sat down and they argued well with him. No, they didn't. They stopped going to his church. His church shrank. He lost most of his people. And he ends up on a speaking at a speaking gig with me. Okay, so mega pastor now on a speaking engagement with Jay, and we are in Las Vegas, New Mexico, middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> speaking at a small church, and I'm like, how in the hell am I here? With me and Carlton are like the main speakers, and we're hanging out. And I was just like, "Oh, this is like a total like makes me feel great." But I'm, I feel bad for Carlton now to be co-headlining with Jay. Um, and we're in the car, and we're talking about hell. And I'm still struggling with this concept of like, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, hell seems like pretty solid thing. It's like there's Jesus, and there's the virgin birth and the resurrection, there's hell, and you know, these are just some solid things that we're not allowed to argue about. And I said, what about Hitler? And I thought, oh, this has got to be a good one. I said, um, uh, I said, what about, I, I said, what about, about, what about Hitler? And, um, and he goes, well, what you think he going to use because you think Hitler is the greatest evil there is. And I said, well, of course, that's why I'm asking. What about Hitler? Like, you know, doesn't it, I mean, at least doesn't Hitler go to hell? And he goes, Jay, what you're accusing of God of doing with hell makes Hitler look like just like a, a bad boss, just like a bad man. I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, when Hitler persecuted those people and when Hitler did genocide, those people got to die in the, in the gas tanks, in the gas, you know, in the gas chambers. Uh, a lot of them got to die. Not all of them died, but, you know, they got to die. And, and you know, he says, what you're accusing God, if God is going to have gas chamber, that's forever torture. It's a concentration camp that you never get out of, that there is no hope. Like, it makes Hitler look like nothing. You're, you're basically saying that you worship a God that's going to do the greatest, most horrendous evil ever known to mankind, 
and never ends. Never stops. And you know what? Being the deep theologian I was at that moment, I said, you're right. That's, it, that doesn't make any sense. And I don't know why I never thought of it that way. And that's where I started thinking differently. And that's when I started looking at like Gehenna and Hades and Sheol, you know, and doing these studies because I was like, this doesn't line up with the message of Christ, you know. And then in like you got the lake of, and it's much like the book of Revelation, which I don't really subscribe to and really think if you, if you, you should really look at the history of how that ended up in the canon. To be honest, like you really should look into how all books ended up in the canon. But Revelation is a lot of bad theology comes out of Revelation because Revelation is kind of written as an imaginary revenge idea. And that doesn't really add up with Jesus or Paul's message. And that's how we realize like that the, the uh, pastoral epistles weren't written by Paul. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why, but they don't line up with the message, the messenger's message. Uh, they contradict it. And then, you know, well, that is a contradict. Maybe we should take a deeper look at this and see what this saying. You know, they originally ended in the Bible because they thought it was John, you know, the John who wrote the book of John. And, and there's no proof of that now. You know, there's no, we just, there's some guy named John wrote this book who was like, I'm tired of being stepped on. So Jesus is going to come back and kill everybody and have blood and, you know. Anyhow, have I pissed you off yet? It's okay. These are okay to talk about. These are things we should be talking about. These are things we should be arguing about. Um, so you have these ovens, these, these torture. Uh, you have God, the ultimate height of evil of torturing us beings for eternity. And then you just have us going like, well, you know, I hope my kids accept Jesus as their personal Savior. You know? Like you almost start thinking like the only people who really believe this stuff are the street preachers, are the guys who annoy us with the signs. We're like, repent, turn from God, yoga pants are sending you to hell. You know, like maybe those are the only guys who actually really believe it. Because everybody else is being pretty nonchalant about like, oh yeah, you're going to the, the fire chamber where you'll be tortured for eternity. You know, and when I was growing up there, I was like, think of the worst thing you can think of and think of it 10 times worse than that. You know, and like, great. I'm like, uh, you know, I, have you guys heard of that movie, The Human Centipede? Now that's in my head, and you're telling me there's 10 times worse than The Human Centipede in hell, you know? Um, but I want you to think about this. I mean, like, 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 use your mind to think about it. If we are created in God's image, think about it. And, and if I'm totally depraved, if this is a totally depraved talk, so be it. Okay, folks? Like, I don't buy into that theology. It's just not that I don't buy into that that's a big theology I mean I love I I, I love Martin Luther the reformist but he was he, he he had a predestination theology a lot of Lutherans don't but from what my studies in Luther it seems like he had some very similarities to some of the beliefs that Calvin had some of my Lutheran brothers and sisters could probably correct me but when I spent some time in seminary that's what I realized um So it's never ending, and there's no hope. So when it says faith, hope, and love remain, so it's so there is no hope in hell. Um, nothing can separate us from the love of God, is what it says. But then we talk about hell and go, well, you can't even get your finger to get a dip, get dip, just dip so 
some water, uh, just ended my suffering a little bit. Like we really talk about it. This is why we got to talk about it. And I don't, I, I do not blame people who leave the faith over this, this contradiction. Like I do not blame people. Like when they're like, I just can't, I can't, I can't do it. You know? And nobody wants to talk about it, so I'm out. Because this doesn't make, this is, this is awful. Where well, I'm going to continue to dig a little bit deeper why this is so awful. Um, i got to speed up, though, because I got to, I have to get the kids today. Um, what else? Uh, Lake of Fire. Lake of Fire is where the devil and his demons go. And that's in Revelation. Like I said, Revelation, I think, really needs to be, have its feet put to the fire. I think it needs to be a little bit more tested. Um... And I don't think most people actually believe in hell, literally. Even when I say, like, I don't believe in hell, you know, and they're like, oh, how can you not believe in hell? You know, I'm like, dude, if you really believed in hell, I think your whole life system, your whole life work would be different, you know? And the thing is, I think we find that most people are really passionate about hell, like people like Driscoll and people like this. They're not kind folks. They're not loving folks. Like, accepting this torture and this damnation and with this like this kind of abusive system, and then we wonder why these pastors seem kind of abusive when they accept this system like this. There is a big issue with hell. Um, and the reason I don't think most people hate because I think they would be acting differently, talking differently. Um, I mean, the power dynamic that people use to threaten you with hell, like it just you can't have a conversation. It's like when you're having a conversation, it's like, but you're in danger of hell, brother. The fire, you know, a God is against you. You know, it's stuff that doesn't make sense that I grew up. That's why I get upset with my, like, progressive brothers and sisters when we're, like, we're arguing over another subject and they're, like, they're, like, <laughs> progressive brothers and sisters are, like, that's, like, denying racism. I'm like, oh, no, wait, wait, wait. You know, we're not talking about, I'm not denying racism. Hey, that's not even what we're talking about. You know, we have these ways of arguing where we shut people down. And I can't, I don't like it. I don't, that's just like not, that is not arguing well. That is not disagreeing well. That's not having a conversation well. That is just being childish and being angry and just saying, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't want to think differently. You know? Um, questions are okay. Um, it's scary. Um, so this is, I want to look at what we're going through right now with, uh, the Palestinian in an Israel, uh, conflict, uh, and look at that. Um, what, you know, you see what Hamas came in and did, it was horrible. And then they, 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 they kidnapped people. And then you see what Israel has been doing to Palestine for a very long time, which is really extremely horrible. And then now you see the United States like supporting this. And I think that's horrible. I think we need a ceasefire now. People don't, no one deserves to be in war and suffer like that. That's my opinion. Um, but hell would be like having your children kidnapped or your loved ones taken from you. And, and there's nothing you can do. And then let's say you get to heaven. Oh, I'm in heaven. Hey. Oh, man. Are my kids here? Oh, no, no, no. They didn't. 
say the right prayer. They weren't destined. <laughs> Driscoll was right. Um, sorry, they're in hell. Oh, really? Oh, it's a bummer. Oh, is this the dinner? This looks great. Um, I can see I can get him. Oh, no, no. Well, I can't help. Can did my... No, didn't you remember that dip the finger thing and you made fun of it when you one of your talks? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't even do that. Oh, okay. Um, well, are they suffering? Oh, yeah. They are suffering way more than you can imagine. I mean, it's, it's bad. I mean, they're burning for eternity. Um, uh, demons are raping them. I mean, it's really bad. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's you know, like a fire. It's never ending. Um, but don't worry, about, after about 2,000, 3,000 years, your time, you, you kind of start to, you know, you start to, you're cool with it, you know. Uh, so let's go worship God right now. But does it, can I ask God about, oh, no, 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 you just want to go worship, and, oh, thank you, Lord, you're so good. I'm like, well, how is, my kids are burning. Why doesn't God go to hell and get my kids? Oh, that's not how it works, Jay, it's justice. And that's a lot of things. You know, we just don't understand God, just, it's justice. You know, what about grace? What about love? What about hope? And then people are like, oh, no, it's just justice. How in the world is that justice for anybody, for any crime, to say uh, your eternal soul will be tortured and burnt forever? Now, the only thing I can think that maybe is good, maybe there's an idea, is that fire in, in, in the Babylonian exile was described as something that was purification by fire, or that maybe it's temporal, or maybe it's... Uh, the soul just disappears, like for us uh, who aren't perfect. You know, maybe we just poof and we're gone. And maybe only the good is left. You know, whatever. I don't know. I've heard all the ways. But there is no way that I could worship a God, much less sit in a heaven where my children are burning in eternity. Um, that's why when I, I've argued with my father about this, I said, you know, it, it's just like, you know, how, how is that, how is that, how is it that you've been so convinced over time that God and serving God is more important than loving your kids and loving your neighbor and loving your enemy? Because I wonder, what do I love when I love my God? And I have to think, I have to love others. That's all there is to it because I can't see God. I can't talk to God. I don't, I mean, I can talk. Hey God, what's up? But there's not much coming back. And I think this is stuff that's worth thinking about. I think we need a reformation and we need to talk about this. I think it's a shame that there's only uh, 10 people here right now. You know, I think this is the type of thing we should be talking about every Sundays in churches everywhere. Like we should be asking these questions. You shouldn't be f forbidden, you know, and maybe we could be like, oh yeah, you know, maybe that 300 year old, that 200 year old or 500 year old German guy you know, who was living in a world world, you know, just got it wrong. Maybe he screwed it up, you know. Maybe hell was added in when they wrote the Gospels down, you know. Maybe they thought, hey, this will kind of make it a little bit tighter, tighten things up a little bit. I don't know. We're going to go into a depth and go in deeper, so I'm not going to guess. But I want to look at, the, you know, like, so compare God to Hitler at this point. So, you know, anybody who's not a Christian is is Turkey tortured for eternity. Okay, I got to finish this up. I do have the, don't worry, I have the, the, the definitions of Gehenna, Hades, and, and, and Sheila, and we'll get it, Sheol for that. I just want to make sure I got everything here. So for me, it would be like the Palestinian-Israel conflict never ending, being in constant war, 
losing family, never knowing if they're safe. These just complete hideous pictures we see every day. Like that's just what God did because you didn't say the right prayer or God just was like, uh, you're in and you're out and you're in and you're out. It's like, if I'm out, just put me out. Don't like torture me for eternity because you just decided that you needed this. And then, you know, Jesus died for whose sins? You know, like his grace was like kind of sufficient. Um, so, I mean, like Jesus was just kind of like, you know, like having a really nice bull that you would sacrifice, but like he was like the best bull, but not really that great. Like his grace is good if you know, if you choose it or good if you're chosen, you know, there you go. Our work. And if you're not, well, <laughs> it's just, you know, enjoy your life, work out, live as long as you can because, you know, you think paying bills and being poor and being discriminated against is bad. Oh, no, no. It gets much, much worse, you know. Oh, you feel kind of weird when people are like sum you up. It's like, oh, he's just a cis white male that hurts your feelings. Well, you wait. <laughs> when you get to hell, I mean, it's just, it's, it's like a million times worse than that. So good luck with that, you know. But you could join us thing and, 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 and tithe to us and, you know, don't drink and don't smoke and don't screw and don't go with people who do. I mean, folks, how is this the Beatitudes? How does this have anything to do with feeding the poor and taking care of those who are less than and loving our enemies and, and making differences in this world? Uh, I've always said that to me, weeping of gnashing his teeth, as I always felt as like for people who are out of their, but I think we see weeping and gnashing of teeth now because of, of late stage capitalism. We see all these people who are poor. We see people fighting over their sexualities and over their race and over their religions and over these things. And they're fighting each other and they're miserable and they're horrible. And there is weeping and there is gnashing of teeth. That type of hell is here now. And that is the type of hell I think we're called to save people from and to help people from, not some magical, mystical afterlife place where people suffer. There's more suffering. We have, a, we have enough of suffering there is now than there is going to come. All right. So, sorry about that. I, don't, I always hit it with my foot. Um, so, I mean, I guess this would be justice if we lived in like the, the, like the Death Star and the Empire was in control and, you know, Darth Vader's running around force choking us, that maybe that would be the justice that we get for not, you know, getting the system to be fully operational. Um, but who wants God to be Darth Vader, right? Um, so here are the things. I'm going to read you. I have my Bible dictionary right here. What do you know? I'll read you a couple, a couple explanations of, of, of hell. Because Jesus, when talks about hell, he's talking about three different places. <laughs> three different things. All translated into the word hell and then added on by all of our tradition and by Dante's Inferno and by all these things these ideas and by revelations lake of fire and the pit and that stuff all that's kind of where we get a lot of these this stuff from okay so uh sheol is a biblical term for the netherworld 
And some sources, particularly poetic and prophetic ones, in Deuteronomy and Amos, the reference is simply of the depths of the earth, the deep depths of the earth, the middle. That's why some people believe hell is in the middle of the earth, and it's really hot in the middle of the core. I heard one time they were drilling down there. Have you ever heard this, like conservative Christians or evangelicals? And they were drilling down, down, and they, and they thought they thought they heard screaming. They thought, no, oh, don't come any further. You know, it's like you hear these stories growing up. Um, deep, deep depths of earth. More commonly, Sheol she, is the underworld where the departed spirits go. That's in Proverbs. Some of the biblical texts preserve a distant metaphysical flavor where Sheol is personified as a power that can destroy the living. Okay, so there's Sheol. There's your explanation of Sheol. You got that? Write that down. Put it up on the board. Okay. So not quite, you know, uh, being flogged every day and being in a bad acid trip for eternity. Um, all right. Gehenna is really the big dog. Gehenna is the big dog. But here's Hades, which Hades, I would have thought, was the big hell dog. You know, I would have thought, oh, it must be Hades. But Hades is one of the ones mentioned. Um, Hades also sounds like a nice vacation spot. Um, Hades. It's from Greek mythology. Now, this is what I love about it, is that it's not even a Christian concept that Jesus is mentioning here. When he brings up, when he says hell, in the word of, of using it, Hades, and... Um, I think it's used in Luke. It's in Luke, I know. It's in Matthew. Uh, it's in Acts, uh, where hell, hell is as Hades. So I love this because it's it's Greek mythology. It, it, is, it is purely just saying like, well, it's kind of like this mythology we've heard. Okay? It's kind of like this tradition. It's probably from like these Greek... I mean, these are Jewish Christians at the time. You know, when Jesus was talking, there's, you know, the, the, the Gentiles aren't being reached. Do you hear what I'm saying? And um, uh, and he's going, oh, well, you know, those Gentiles that are no good, you know, the Greeks over here. <laughs> I, 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 I do like some of their, their, their feta cheese, um, <laughs> but it's really all Greek to me, you know. Um, the Greeks over here, they have this thing called Hades. And so Jesus is using this other concept from, like, Another religion, another philosophy. So Greek is a mythology, the realm of the dead. The word Hades is used to translate several Hebrew words, including Sheol. Oh my gosh, what? Sheol and Hades have now mixed in Genesis. and the New Testament, written in Greek, the word Hades is also used to refer to the abode, the abode of the dead. I'm going to my abode. So where the dead live. A different word, Gehenna, is commonly used in the New Testament to designate a place where sinners will be punished after death. But in one passage, however, Hades is presented as a place of torment. Okay, so now you've got, oh my gosh, someone got their Hades in my Gehenna, and someone put their Gehenna into my Hades. So now we have this word being translated into meaning different things and explained as different things and used as a almost like an uh, like a, a metaphor if you will okay there's Hades here we go to Gehenna are you guys ready 
Now Gehenna also opens up some doors, and this is why I'm really interested in reading my $75 hell book. Um, if you're wondering why that why one would do that for a, a book, but I just I really need paper and pages and, and highlighters and notes, and as is how I think. Um, hear me out, folks. Hell is worth the question. Hell is worth leaving a church over. Boom. There you go. Hell is worth arguing well over, okay? And so here's Gehenna. Now, Gehenna, uh, we're going to end talking about Gehenna because it's a long one. Gehenna, hell or hellfire? Oh, not looking too good for us at this point. The word is derived from a Hebrew term meaning valley of Hanorm, located west and south of Jerusalem and running into the kindred valley at the point opposite of modern village of Silwan, the Valley of Hinnom once formed part of the boundaries between the tribes of Judea and Benjamin. During the monarchical period, it became the site of an infamous high place where some of the kings of Judah engaged in forbidden religious practices. What's going on in those crazy forbidden religious practices? Including... Human sacrifice by fire. Okay, well, that's what's going on. That's not a cool one. Um, because of this, Jeremiah spoke of its impediment judgment and destruction. King Josiah put an end to this practice by destroying and def defying the high place in the valley of Hinnom. Probably because of these associations with fiery destruction, and judgment in the world, Gehenna came to be used as a metaphorically during the intertestinal period of designation for hell or eternal damnation. So Gehenna became used as a metaphor for hell, is what they're saying. Now I think we're going to be able to deconstruct this even a little bit more and take this apart a little bit more, the more knowledge we get on this, and we're going to share that, and we're going to go through this together, folks. Um, we, you know, we might even have to turn this into one of those Zoom things, or at least do the last hell, like part six, 166 hell talk. Zoom, where we all just cry and scream at each other. Um, which is either the, okay, so the New Testament word is used only in a way to never in a geographical place name. This is what this riot author is saying. So I don't know this author, and I don't know if I can trust this author after reading this book wasn't $75, so sometimes these books have, like, you know, apologists writing in them, so I have to be very weary even from reading from these. Um, as such, Gehenna is to be distinguished from Hades, which is either the above of all the dead in general, or the place where wicked await the final judgment. So this is, you know, so like, oh, it's, uh, it's, it's you know, where's the, where they wait for judgment. Or the place where the wicked await for final judgment. Gehenna is variously described as a fiery furnace in Matthew, an unquenchable fire in Mark, or an eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels in Matthew. Jesus warned his disciples of committing sins that would lead to Gehenna. So, there you go. But what does Jesus say and what is Jesus warning us? So I've picked three verses where Gehenna is used because that seems to be the one that's closest to the argument to what scared me and kept me up at night and kept me praying and um, worried that every time I 
masturbated or had a lustful thought that I was just going to, like, that was it. Like, lightning was going to strike the house, and I was hell-bound, and then I would be forced to watch a video in front of every one of me having those moments. Um, <laughs> and here's the VCR tape, Jay. No, hey, we could just fast-forward that one. We could get through that part real quick. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'll just go straight. I'll just go to hell. Just, where's the elevator? The elevator, elevator? You know, just a pole? Fire pole? <laughs> just... Just point me in that direction. Um, but here's here's what um, uh, um, make, did you pray today? Pray today, today, today. Did you pray today? Um, I'm sorry, I don't mean to make fun of you. Um, uh, did I pray today? No, I have not prayed today, but I did pray last night. You know, because sometimes I get so hopeless that I pray. I'm not the hugest prayer guy in the world, to be honest with you, because I don't think. Uh, God is an interventionist God because I've lost too many people I love. Uh, but we could do a whole talk on prayer. Um, maybe you're hoping that if I pray that I'll uh, believe in hell again. See, that's the thing is I'm always surprised that people want to defend hell and think hell is cool. You know what I mean? Like, hell's not cool. Like, hell is not worth defending. Like, hell is the... Like, like if, if this whole real concept that I was raised with, I would be like, hey, NASA, can we figure out a way to send a nuke to God because honestly, this is horrific and it's going to make everything else look worse like global warming. Well, at least we'll all die in global warming. This is like global warming for eternity for the majority of every person out here, even people like me who've gone broke preaching about it most of their life, you know, um, and, and so we're all going to be down there and we're not going to be able to really hang out because it's going to be hot as hell and literally it's, it's hell. It's, it's that hot. Um, and so, like, we got to figure out a way to, to, to stop this from happening. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, someone just wrote, hell is earth now. Well, I, I, I seem to agree with it. I feel that way. I feel like what people are going through in, in Palestine and in, in, in Israel is, is, a, is a nightmare, is hell. I, I, think what, I think I just saw a thing on, 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 on uh, Amazon drivers yesterday, and then they're pissing bottles because they can't stop because they have a good pressure. And, you know, and they want to keep this job. I think that's hell. I think capitalism is calling us all to like be in hell where we are weeping and gnashing of teeth. We're all screaming and horrific and angry at each other over weird shit Why all these politicians become really wealthy and really rich and we do wars in their name, you know? And like, I'm, I, I am not happy about the United States of America. I am ashamed of my government right now. I'm ashamed of my president. I'm a lifelong Democrat. I have never been a conservative Republican. I've never voted for a Republican in my life. There's one time I probably should have in a, in a, in a smaller thing because <laughs> I just voted for this Democrat and then found out like, oh, they're insane. Um, <laughs> but anyhow, the point is, is I'm ashamed of the Democrats. I'm ashamed of this war-loving group of people. And I'm also ashamed when I found out that they hold money, that they get money from war. To me, that's hell. To me, it's realizing that the people who are to protect us and the politicians who protect us are invested and get paid money when these countries go to war because they've invested in companies owned by, uh, they, they own the they're invested in the weapon manufacturing and the bullet manufacturing and these type of things. And that they're thinking like, oh, well, maybe we could put a Starbucks over there afterwards as well. You know, that type of thing makes me insane. And to me, that is a living in hell right now. My relationship with my father right now and how difficult it is, that's a type of hell. Living on this earth without my mother, that feels like a type of hell. Um, so life after death has really never been the concern of revolution. 
I believe the concern of revolution is teaching us how to argue well and live life before death and live life well before death and show grace and show mercy and show peace and bring, you know, that here now on earth as it is in heaven. And, and, and you know, like if we disappear, we disappear. None of us know what's, you know, I mean, I have a lot of afterlife bets, so I'm I mean, hoping I'm going to reap, reap, reap in the money. Reaping the money. Um, all right, so let's look at this real quick, and then we'll go because I want to let you know what 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 will send you to hell. If this might make make you feel a little bit better. Concerning anger. So I'm sure none of us have gotten angry, especially not here, or on Facebook, or on Twitter, or on Instagram, or at home, or with each other, or with our loved ones. Um, you have heard that it was said, those ancient times, you shall not murder. This one's a tough one, folks. Strap, buckle up. And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. Now, see, I could use the one, this one that's coming up. I could use it against everyone to be like, no, this is why you have to argue well. You want to go to hell? <laughs> you want to go to hell? Don't argue well. <laughs> that's our new t-shirt. You want to go to hell? Don't argue well. Um... It should be, you want to just be in hell. Don't argue well. Um, but I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or a sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to hell and fire. So if you've called anybody a fool, you might be going to hell. Okay, so that, so I think we have to like look at what it's saying and look at the context and go, okay, what's going on here? Now, that's a Gehenna. That's a Gehenna. That was a Gehenna. Um, now we're all like, oh, maybe Southwestern, maybe it's Southwestern Jerusalem. Yeah, maybe, maybe when you die, you have to go Southwest Jerusalem for a little while, you know. Um, oh, here we go. Um, I've got folks uh, we got some people going off um all right this, 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 i appreciate the candor but this is also we're, let's stay focused we got this is we're staying focused on hell right now and we can continue to talk about this other stuff because i think it's important but let's stay focused on the message for just a second i'm almost done okay folks um mark here, here might be something worth of eternal punishment and damnation in being stuck in um, an oven that never turns off. Let's see what it says. Uh, if you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you in a great milestone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better that you enter into life maimed then have two hands and go to hell. So this is all dynamic. Like I say, like, oh, you're going to win afterlife. If you lose your hand, it's like um, Beetlejuice. <laughs> like if you lose your hand, if you get ran over, remember the guy who gives the paper, he's ran over. And he's like, I'm feeling a little flat today. Um, or the guy with the bone through his neck or the shrunken head. You just, you, whatever you look when you die, that's how it is. I just thought you had to wear the same clothes. I didn't know you had to be like disfigured for the eternity. Um, Murder for you to enter life maimed, then have two hands and go to hell. Oh, shoot. Um, 
to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to center, you enter the life lame than you have two feet that are thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, you know, it goes on. And then 49 just says, for everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but it salt loses its saltiness. How can you season it? Have salt yourself and be in peace with one another. So I think what this is saying is something a little bit different than being tortured forever. And what it's also saying is, is when we hurt children, you know, don't, don't hurt children. I, I, this almost almost seems like it's saying don't beat children. Don't hurt children. I don't believe in karma. I believe in grace. Um, don't beat children. Don't punch. I think is what it's saying. But I want to share something that was really scary and sad to me is this. Um, No, I've seen my enemies die very wealthy and rich. I just don't believe in karma um, <laughs> for a lot of reasons. I wish there was karma. Um, but, uh, but, you know, uh, you know, it's saying don't, don't treat children horribly. Don't, don't, you know, don't do that. But one of the things that's really scary is my first wife was working in theology and psychology and, um, Oh man, I wish wish Marxists were running this world, but they're not. Actually, no, it's late stage capitalism. Sorry, Mr. Camp. Um, it's it's capitalism in America, and there's like five guys who run the country. So enjoy that. I usually ignore you, but that one is so stupid. Um, sorry, that wasn't even arguing well. That one's just not educated. Um, so. Uh, my wife had someone in the hospital, mental hospital, who had gouged out their eyes with their one remaining hand because they took those, uh, those sermons so literally. So they thought like his eye caught him to stumble, but he already, was, already had cut off his hand because he thought God was doing this. So um, there you go. Um, Here's the next one. The next hell one. Also Gehenna. So this is another Gehenna one. Here we go. I tell you, friends, do not fear those who the body who kill the body and after there can do nothing more. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has the authority to cast you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And uh, yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yes, not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. But even the hairs on their heads are counted. Do not be afraid. Now, isn't this weird? The next thing it says, do not be afraid because you are more value than many sparrows. So those are the verses where we have big Gehenna things. And most of it is about not hurting children or not calling someone a fool. And um, why well, I would say hurting children is probably the worst thing you can do. I am a Marxist. Uh, it's probably the worst thing you can do. Um, I would say uh, still probably a little bit beyond that. Now, here's another verse that I wanted to also hit you guys with. Uh, the, and this is the last one, I promise. I promise this is the last one. Um, 
You know, the great thing is even when people come here to cause trouble, it's like, it's like we get all the, like when you comment, it helps us. And when you show up and watch, it helps us. So even when we have some people who don't want to argue well and, and really need a hug, it still helps us. So it helps get this word out there. It helps YouTube promote us and uh, get our agenda. And, uh, and that's really lovely. Um, but I was thinking about all those verses, and then I was thinking of one of my favorite verses uh, that's in 1 John, and I'm trying to see where I wrote the verses down in here because I thought I wrote the verses I was going to use uh, here down in my notes as well. Um, I did uh, mark them there, but... Um, well, it's in 1 John, so I know that part. Um, where is it? First, well, first John, yeah, it's First John four eighteen. So we'll go ahead. First John four eighteen says, "Perfect love casts out all fear." And if you're still afraid, then God has not been matured in you. God has not grown in you. Um, yeah, Russia's a cop out and not really Marxist. <laughs> Gosh, oh, I feel sorry for you, Joseph. You need to study more. That's how people say so. Try to talk bad about socialism. It actually helps socialism and Marxism when Russia fell. Um, sorry, I'm having a side conversation. I'm not supposed to get crazy, but the more he comments, the better it helps us. And uh, so all I have to do is just see him once, and then he'll be like, um, "Sorry, that's not very nice or kind or arguing well or showing grace. It's just trolls are gonna troll, you know." But I mean, what else are you gonna do on Sundays, right? I get it. I, I, I gave some folks a hard time who were, uh, the other day online. Uh, not too bad of a hard time, but I, you know, I was already, it was Sunday. It's a nice day. Why not? You know, give somebody a hard time about their life's work. Um, add a little salt to the wounds when they're, when they're struggling. It's kindness, right? Um, but, but yeah, so John, you know, and if you don't love, if you don't, if you still fear God, then God has not been completed. He has not been folded. You're not fully mature in God. And then that love. So if perfect love casts out all fear, you know, these verses, we have to look at them. We have to argue them. We have to negotiate. I mean, I think that's what I love when Dan says, you know, you have to learn to negotiate with the Bible and wrestle with it. And that's what we have to do. Um, it, it's not a science book. It's not a math book. It's not an answer book. And uh, I think we have to look at what, what, what triumphs and what's, what's the trump card really is. Um, so, you know, and I don't think we have to sit around defending the Bible, you know. You don't have to stop believing because you disagree with the Bible or what the Bible says or because the Bible, you know. You can say, that I don't agree with that part of the Bible, you know. Oh, what he said, that I, what that said there, I don't, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. Or Jesus said this and... And this says this, and these add up here, and, and that doesn't seem to really, like, I can't believe I'm actually reading that correctly when this says this. Like, you know, so there's a contradiction here, and I'm going to find something above that contradiction, that this can't be eternal damnation. You know, this is, there's got to be something else here. There's got to be another meaning, and we need to take a deeper look. But, but what shows us is by looking at Gehenna and how that morphed over times and looking at Hades uh, and, and Sheol and, and looking at the Greek root of these words, uh, one of these words, and seeing that they all come from different places uh, shows us that there's questions. There's questions to be had. So that's why this is uh, revolution and the problem with hell, 
part one um, because we're going to probably do quite a few parts because we're going to like take this apart and we're going to look at it and uh, see where we're at with this concept and um, maybe help put it to bed a little bit and uh, find some some good news and spread that good news to folks you know if we get it good enough maybe there'll be a book there you know and we'll continue to spread that. But that's what revolutions here do is we'll argue well and re-examine things that we've made into sacred cows and asking the big questions that we should have been asking a long time ago and saying, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Like, that's not a, something that's loving. Any entity that's loving would not do that to anyone or anything. And there's nothing worth. There's no justice there. Thank you, everybody. Hey, listen, if you like revolution, you like what you're hearing, I would love to continue to do this full time. And I can do this full time if we bring in more money, but uh, we, we're keeping our heads above water with about $1,000 a week. Um, my uh, financial folks in New York who, who do all of our finances said if we could bring in about $2,000 a week, we could make this full time. Uh, I could probably be doing this full time. They could also pay me back. I, I, last year, I did six months for no pay. I just had another job and I wasn't paid for six months because we didn't bring money in. Um, so if you want to do that and you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more of this stuff, because this is how the Roman studies are going to go. And these, we are going to be, we're not going to just talk about deconstruction and saying, Oh, the church sucks. Um, no, we're going to be making a difference and doing some really, really great things. And so there you go. Um, really excited about that stuff. So if you want to support what we're doing, uh, for and you get a tax deductible donation. It's the end of the year, isn't that fun? But we really need to be bringing in about two thousand dollars a week. So if you've been thinking about giving and haven't give, it would really help if you did. Um, uh, and you know, maybe a dog walk, and we'll continue to do this, and that's fine as well too. Um, I'm going to continue to look for another job. But if we get somewhere, or uh, someone comes along and 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 makes a, a hefty donation, and we're able to do this full time then I'm going to be reading those really ridiculously pricely books and continue to uh, bring more of this to you. Uh, I believe Romans we will be doing on Tuesday night. I would like to do it this Tuesday night, um, but it's kind of up in the air, so I don't think it's going to be that great. Um, but I just want to thank all of you, too, just by, by, by showing up here on YouTube, you're supporting us, too. You know, Don't forget to like it and subscribe because that also helps us, but just your presence here helps support our work and what we're doing and uh, you know and when your comments and stuff that gets put into the, all the, the algorithm and stuff and so it all really helps you know good or bad so thank you all for showing up and doing that because it really means the world to me and it shows me how much you you know believe in what we're doing even if it's unconsciously so thank you so much everybody um, you can go to revolutionchurch.com and uh, make a donation we have Venmo and we have PayPal and uh, that really really helps um, uh, I'm, 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 I'm going a little long in this one because I know we really got to make uh, payroll and pay a few bills this month. Um, and uh, I'm still trying to get work, <laughs> part-time work. And um, so it really would help if you did uh, make a donation right now. So thank you so much. And uh, gosh, lots of cool things coming next year. I'm excited about it. And uh, I wish I could tell you more, but there's some cool things that I can't really talk about yet because there's a lot of other people involved. So peace, grace, and uh, see you next week. Thank you.
for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.